Good morning and welcome to this week's new PNL Principles and Leadership and Business podcast series. Thank you once again for joining us. As I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, we have a very exciting summer ahead of us, culminating in the celebration of our 250th episode in September, as well as the launch of a brand new initiative for the new PNL, an exclusive online leadership network, the details of which I'm going to reveal more and more about over the next few weeks. The Global Leadership Network is a huge development for us here at the new PNL, and we're incredibly excited about it. And I can't wait to invite you to become part of it. And the details, as I say, will follow over the next few weeks. This week's guest is the fascinating Rob Moore. At the age of 25, Rob was 50k in debt, and less than five years later, he went from zero to multimillionaire. Firstly, by investing in property, then he co-founded the Progressive Group, starting with Progressive Property, then Progressive Success, and the Entrepreneur's Business Academy. Rob's training companies have grown to become one of the largest in the UK, and are now growing globally as well, helping tens of thousands of startups and scale-up entrepreneurs to successfully launch and grow their businesses. And having given thousands of speeches in the last decade, Rob is a sought-after keynote speaker and an influential podcaster and host of the hugely popular Disruptive Entrepreneur and The Money Podcasts. Rob, a very warm welcome to the new PNL. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Pleasure, Paul. Um, thanks for having me. My pleasure. For those listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with you, let's start with a quick introduction to you, what you do and who you do it for. So my personal vision is to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial education and knowledge. I believe that we're lost as a society right now. I think that our government, central banks and leaders um, have too much power and control. I think there's a great shift coming in the world. Call it a great reset. Call it the new world order. Call it whatever you like. Um, and so my mission is to help people educate themselves if the education we're getting from the system is, let's say, out of date or no longer fit for purpose. So, you know, I've written lots of books on money. I have a podcast yeah. called Money. I've interviewed um, hundreds of, say, billionaires and entrepreneurs and mover shakers and change makers. And, uh, you know, I will not shut up until I die about how people can become entrepreneurs, control their own life and gain financial freedom. Why do you think people are lost right now? What, what's, the, what's the thinking that goes behind that? I think the problem is, and this is a paradox, Paul, the problem is times have been so good for so long. You know, we've had decades without, for example, a world war or we've had you know, good times. And, you know, you see if you if you study history, which I think is really important to do, you see how humanity make the same mistakes. They, they, they have the same things that they do well and the same things that they do wrong. And what you see over history is strong men create weak times, weak time. Sorry, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Men, women non-binary you know whatever um and, and you see this cycle and um we've had good times for decades so what you're seeing now is these generations of um you know not particularly strong not hardened not resilient entitled juvenile um generations being raised and in many ways it's not their fault like if you've got spoiled kids you can't really blame them um for being raised uh, and their major decision is which lamborghini will daddy drive 
Um, so this is what's going on in the world. And then we've got these leaders who've got ulterior motives and who are hunting power and greed and selfish interest in a political system that's not built for the long term. It's built for the short term careerist. So, for example, decisions like lockdown. Everybody knew at the time that had a brain that had any common sense that locking the country down would ruin the economy, would create suicides, would, you know, would probably create more deaths than it saved. Yet the government did it anyway. And now all the news is coming out. And, you know, whether these motives are nefarious or, um, you know, whether we're just weak, um, this is where we're at in the world right now. And, you know, there is political unrest, there is anger, there is frustration. And, you know, and the revolution is palpable. How do you see entrepreneurship, as you as you alluded to earlier, or managing your finances in a more, more austere way, more sensible way? How do you see that as the solution to, because these are seismic challenges and they're, and they're challenges, as you've rightly alluded to, that we maybe only face to this degree every 50, 70, 90, 100 years. How does entrepreneurship and more astute financial management change an individual's perspective, outlook, security within that environment? Well, ultimately, money gives you choices. It gives you freedom. Um, it gives you autonomy. It gives you the ability to lead. You, you know, you can't do what you love and love what you do if you can't finance it. And, you know, your, your hobbies and passions are very expensive. And so, you, you know, Look, some people think that money and greed and power rules the world, but everyone is destined for greatness. Everyone has value inside of them. Everyone is a latent billionaire where um, people on the, the planet need what you've got. But most people haven't figured it out, haven't been able to turn their latent um, wealth, which is also means well-being, into products, services, and value to other people. And so what you have is, you know, a small number of very powerful families and people and corporations who have ulterior motives of, you know, controlling all the wealth and power, because ultimately that gives you freedom. You know, and we have these human needs and freedom is, is a great human need as you know, variety is, is a great human need. So um, being an entrepreneur and learning about money and how the world and the system really works, essentially what it gives you is choice. It gives you autonomy. It gives you the ability to say no to the things that impinge on your values. It gives you the ability to be valuable and live a long and meaningful life. So what are the values that drive you then? You've got quite a diverse portfolio. You started off in property investment. You've got the podcast, you're a best-selling author. You have this financial training and also podcast and various other training operations, property training. What are the common sets of values and principles that underpin your approach to entrepreneurship and underpin those businesses? Where's the thread? Okay. So um, if I think about what I value the most in life, um, I value growth and progress and learning very high. So, you know, I really believe that the evolution of man is, um, you know, not the strongest or the fittest, but those most adaptable to change. So I believe inherently built within us is a desire to grow and a reward for growth because um, learning and growing and, and having better knowledge essentially allows our species to, to live long and prosper, if you like. Bit of a sci-fi geek. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think deep 
who, you know, who wants to wake up tomorrow and be less? Who wants to wake up tomorrow and be weaker? Who wants to wake up tomorrow and be cheaper? No, mm -hmm. it's, it's just not how we are built. So I value these things inherently built um, within me. And, you know, I, I think to live a long and a prosperous and wealthy life, it is also your own mission to find out what your life's mission is, what the purpose is that's greater than you. Harry and I, for example, Harry's head producer of the show, and we're fighting a fight tomorrow. Um, I'm headlining. I got called out for a fight. And um, we were talking to someone very wise, a mentor of ours, asking about, you know, how do you believe in yourself and how do you overcome nerves? And he said, comparing yourself to others gives away your power. But honoring the greatness inside of you gives you your power. And when you have a, a, a vision and a mission, a cause greater than yourself, you have something to live for. And people are inspired by that. And, you know, you stand in your own greatness and you live your highest and, and maximum potential. So, you know, for me, what's important to me is growth and progress. I, I love business, you know, business and money. Uh, you know, these are things I love. Of course, you know, I, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I, I would probably say my wife's, the, our children are probably higher on my wife's values than myself, but that makes for a good family dynamic. Because if everyone in the family had the same values, we would all be raising the kids and no one would be baking the bread and making the bread. So, you, you know, these are the, I value relationships with, um, you know, in, inspiring people. Um, yeah, these are the things that are important to me. So you touched on at the beginning of that answer, growth, progress, and learning. And I know from your own backstory, you came from quite humble beginnings. You were several thousand pounds in debt in your early 20s. By 30, you're a self-made millionaire. So at what point did that mindset switch came come? What triggered it? Was it a, an evolutionary thing? Was it a one day you, you know, figuratively woke up? What, what led the transition from 50 grand in debt to self-made millionaire? Well, for me, it was more of a revolutionary thing than an evolutionary thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think that um, evolution might be Porsche, how they make the same car and change it 5% a year, and revolution might be Ferrari, how they make, you know, outrageously wild designs. And um, so on December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers and was beaten up and sectioned and arrested by the police. And in that moment, my hero was there being kicked and beaten by the police. And I was 50,000 in debt and I was juvenile and delinquent and reliant on my parents age 26. And that, that created such pain and shame um, within me that it created accountability. It created such a void that void needs to be filled. The universe abhors a, a vacuum. Nothing survives and no nothing lives in a vacuum. Everything dies in a vacuum. So there was this hole in my soul and um, something that, you know, I realized if I did not take control of my life, no one was going to save me. I'm personally responsible for my own life. And I'd become a victim. I'd expected the government and my parents and everyone else to save me and look after me. And this is what a child is. You know, and I was very much a juvenile, a child in an adult's body. And so in some ways you could say that was the worst day of my life, but in other ways you could say it was the best day of my life. Yeah. We've touched earlier on about the various characteristics that are required for for entrepreneurship, and I wondered what is the biggest determining factor in entrepreneurial success that is that is underrated from your perspective. You know, we we're awash in social media with recommendations as to how we build our business, what an entrepreneur looks like, how we ten times our success, commercial ability, whatever. But what's the most underrated 
characteristic of an entrepreneur. Okay, so um, success is made very complicated, but actually I believe it's simple. And um, I think you can boil it down to about three things. So the first thing is understand what it is that you do and you know that is simultaneously valuable to other people. You know, you can have all the character traits in the world, but if you don't have a useful and valuable product and service, you can't become an entrepreneur. You can't make money. Yeah. So at some stage, all of us have to essentially niche. You know, we have to discover. So, you know, my mentor, um, he's probably the world's leading expert on human behavior and the brain. Um, and, you know, if you think about Elon Musk, you know, he is an absolute master in, in engineering and particularly cars and, and space. So step one is we need to discover that. And by the way, the more useful it is or valuable it is, or the more useful and valuable it is to the most amount of people, that's where your maximum money is made. Now, some people will say, oh, well, footballers aren't useful. Yes, they are. They entertain billions of people. And then sponsors and advertisers can leverage those eyeballs and make money from the sponsorship. So, oh, you know, betting companies, they're not valuable. Yes, they are. They entertain and distract millions of people. So you have to understand what it is that you do and what you offer people, whether it's information, education, solution, entertainment. And it's not perceived by you. It's perceived by humanity. If humanity values it, humanity will pay for it. Humanity will buy it. So this is the first thing. Um, then the next thing is you need to go and build it. You need to create it. You need to make it. You need to design it. You need to engineer it. You, you know, it, it needs to be manifest. Um, and, and then you need to sell it. And, you know, people say things like, oh, well, the product sells itself. Most products do not sell themselves. Only the absolute best products and services, maybe like the, you know, the Apple iPhone yeah. or a Patek Philippe watch or a Ferrari, but only the best products and services sell themselves. Everything else has to be sold. Um, you know, they say build it and they will come. No, this is not true. Build it and then go and shout in every <laughs> town and village and drag them all over. Um, then the, ne the next thing is we need to be consistent and do it long enough so that everyone knows about it. And the problem, especially in the space of entrepreneurship, is we get distracted by all the shine. You know, all the glitters is not gold. And, and we're chasing the shiny objects and the get rich quick. So, you know, you have to have balanced and logical emotions and do something long enough. You don't plant a seed and come back the next day and go, well, where's my fucking tree, Paul? Paul! Where's my fucking tree? Yeah. <laughs> but this is the attitude that many people have to success. And then what happens is this consistency over time builds a resilience in you because you need resilience because once you're successful, everyone wants to steal it from you. Everyone wants to criticize you. Everyone wants to bring you down off your perch. You know, everyone, you know, there's a lot of cats out there. You know, everyone wants to take what you've got. Um, so, yeah, this, I believe, is, is the recipe for uh, success. The first point where you talked about the intersection of what you know and what's valuable to someone, that requires quite a healthy dose of self-awareness. And the problem with self-awareness is 
most often the people who are not self-aware believe they are self-aware. So they're looking at that concept, that idea, that entrepreneurial uh, concept with a with a very subjective set of criteria. You know, they're passionate about it. They believe in it. Why wouldn't anyone want to buy it? Why wouldn't anyone see it as valuable? What is what is your recommendations as to how those entrepreneurs about to embark upon that journey with an idea they believe that is valuable and that they know, what are the three or four things they need to consider as much as they can from an objective perspective to test the validity and the evidence for what they believe is right and valuable? Look, Paul, there are very few people on the planet that know people better than themselves. There are some. You know, Steve Jobs knew what people wanted in, you know, these digital devices, probably more than what the people knew. Yeah. But he is a rare breed. So we do have to be careful about pedestalizing these heroes and trying to do what they do, bearing in mind these guys are unicorns. Um, for the rest of us, normal, ordinary people, we need to listen to the markets. We need to see what the markets want and need. We need to see their pains and problems. We need to build um, quick, minimum viable products and services, which they can use. And we need to continually iterate them to offer them improvement um, for humanity, you know, whether it's AI tools or robotics or engineering or drugs or foods or anything like that. Um, so it's actually a, an, an uncomplicated process that human humanity, we complicate our own journey. You know, we're full of self-doubt. We're full of, you know, looking at everybody else, thinking that they've got it easier or, you know, getting distracted by what everyone else is doing instead of focusing on our meaningful mission. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, for example, Bill Gates knew this, didn't he? Because Bill Gates just basically used to test all of his iOS software on all of the users. Oh, give us feedback and we'll finally make it work. Um, and, and this, I, I believe, is, um, you, you know, the, really the main skill um, in building useful products and services. And, and you know, this is another Im important point to, to drill in. Very few people know humanity better than humanity knows itself. Um, and, and, yeah, self-awareness is to, is to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you're good at and what you're not good at, what people need and want and what they don't need and want. And then over time, when you've built these decades of experience, of course you have intuition. And, of course, you know what people want better than themselves because you've been doing it for so many decades. Do you, you, I want to touch on the third point that you made around how we you know, get out there and sell and grow that business. One of the observations I make with entrepreneurship is there are, at least in my mind, two quite distinct leaders there is the leader that is attracted by the shiny as you say that comes up with that idea that gets the business going that has the momentum to excite the audience to grow the product let's say in the first two or three years and then there are other leaders who are more characteristically interested in and buzzed by the day-to-day -day, developing the business the operations over time one observation i have is that sometimes entrepreneurs who start their business stay in that business or lead that business for too long and don't recognize that they need to bring others in to support them at the day-to-day -day operational level. Now, they get sort of too caught in their own hype, if you like. Well, what's your view on that? Yeah, there's a saying, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. And, and I really think that's right. You know, there are, if you imagine, a, um, let's say, a, a soccer or, or an English football team, you know, you don't need 11 goalkeepers. You don't need 11 strikers. You need a team, a balance, a, 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 you know, a, a, a balance of skill, speed and strength and defense and attack. And a company is a, a living organism, really. And it needs a team. 
you know, of, so you need defense in the form of lawyers. Yeah. Um, you know, you need attackers in the form of your sales team. So um, entrepreneurship is, um, is evolution, essentially, essentially. And some people are great at starting a business and terrible at finishing it. Yeah. That would be most entrepreneurs. Some people are great at growing a business. Some people are great at managing someone else's business. For example, when you're an entrepreneur, you feel all the pain yourself. You, feel, you, know, you take every shot like a body shot. Whereas if you are, say, Tim Cook, who's CEO of Apple, he would, he would be able to be much more balanced and less emotional than, say, Steve Jobs, who started the company because it's not his company. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to survive over decades, if you want to be an empire that lasts 100 years or 1,000 years, which is really difficult, by the way, then you have to understand, um, you know, what kind of people with what kind of skills are needed at what kind of time. You know, and this is why, you know, usually the people who build the business, they build an empire, then they pass it on to children who run that empire down, and then they pass that on to their children who break the empire apart. Yeah. Because they didn't build the skills in learning how to run the empire. You know, as, you know, maybe one of the leading authors on money, you know, money is a curse as much as it is a gift if you don't know what to do with money. Because money is a mirror and money is you. You are money. Money money makes you what you are. Money exaggerates your traits. So if you're a gambler and you're addicted to hedonism, you are going to accelerate and exaggerate yeah. that with money. If you're a philanthropist and someone who believes in kindness, you are going to exaggerate that with money. Um, so, yeah, you know, r running a business is not easy, but nothing worth it is easy. I want to come back to the point you made at the beginning of the conversation around the the challenges we face out there in society and culture and in the, in the markets at the moment and everything is perspective and there are so many conversations out there in the business discourse at the moment around the let's call it the perma crisis you know the permanent state of crisis that businesses seem to be operating in but because everything is perspective it could also be a permanent op you know permanent opportunity if we change the mindset from looking at these things as challenges to to opportunity through the lens of opportunity what's your advice to business leaders and entrepreneurs that are, who are listening today who are staring at so many things in front of them and so many things at the same time of considerable scale how do they what are the hacks to change their mindset to see challenge as opportunity rather than the other way around mm. so the first thing is i don't give advice i share experience <laughs> <laughs> um because you you know yes you can stand on the shoulders of giants and leverage the traits of the greats, but you know, we're all a bit nuanced and we, yeah. we all have to also find our own way in this life. Um, what I would say is um, a mentor of mine has taught me that no event situation or person is all upside or all downside. Um, and, you know, elation and depression are extremes. Uh, they're essentially out of balance. You don't have a magnet with just a minus. You have a magnet with a, a yeah. minus and a plus. You have a male and a female. Um, so um, if we are what we see, people are what we are. You know, so we perceive that things are as they are, but they are not. Things are as we see them, not as they are, i.e. we filter what we see through our own experiences, biases, yeah. ju judgments, focuses, we delete, we distort, we generalize, we label. 
So if you are an upside opportunist, opportunist that sees opportunity in everything and sees optimism and beauty in everything, that is what the world will give you. If you see doom and gloom and terror in everything, that is what the world will give you. The world, the universe is a mirror. It reflects back to you what you are. So um, if you understand that everything has an upside and a downside, um, because the universe exists in this perfect balance, you're able to see the upside opportunity in the downside. So for example, you know, when there's a market crash, what happens? People sell assets cheap and you can buy assets cheap and, you know, you can essentially, um, you know, leverage fast growth in the markets. You know, everything that's ever uh, been created has good and bad in it. You know, for example, a lot of people are, oh, AI is the end of us, but AI is also the evolution and the revolution yeah. of us. And, you know, AI will make our lives so much better. And of course, AI will also give challenges. Even when rail was created, rail was great. It gets you from A to B quicker, but it also gets robbers from A to B <laughs> quicker. You know, the train yeah. robberies. Yeah. So um, really, the, 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 I, I think a lot of pain and anxiety is self-inflicted. And it's created by what imaginations we perceive. Yeah. So if you want a better and more meaningful life, understand that the universe is a mirror and um, control who and what you are and put, project out what it is you want, because you will, you know, I'll give you a little example. It's a very common one, but you know, you don't really see your car on the road. And as soon as you buy your car in yeah. your color, oh, everyone's got a Nardo gray Audi. Well, no, they haven't. You're just noticing them now because you've just bought one. So the, the universe is literally a mirror and people don't understand this. They're not self-aware. They're looking for hedonistic fantasies and they're looking for polarized extremes of all good and no bad and all easy and no hard. And this is why we have so many weak entitled people right now this is why society is in such a mess i do think ai is is no different to letterpress to desktop publishing in the 80s it is an evolution if we treated once we went to the library to curate information then we had google now we've got a gpt chat it's it's an evolution of as long as we embrace it as a curation tool and as an access tool rather than fearing it's um taking over us then i think you know that that's the the difference in perspective we need to have with something like that yeah, essentially, we're creating tools that makes our lives faster, easier, and better. Exactly. Humans pay good money to, for, to make our lives easier, faster, and better. So if humans are in pain, they'll pay a lot of money to get out of it. This is why the pharmaceutical industry exists. <laughs> and this unfortunately creates these ulterior nefarious motives. You know, we will pay. This is guy at the moment, isn't there? He's spending millions of pounds to try and reverse aging and live until he's however old and he's he looks actually really young he's clearly doing a good job <laughs> um so you know human beings will continue to pay really good money for things that make our lives easier faster and better and money loves speed and hates friction money follows speed it follows value it follows things that make our life better linked to that is productivity and, and we have some really persistent productivity challenges in business both here in the uk and globally as well despite the fact that we have technologies, an abundance of technologies to make business more efficient than ever, but we can't break that kind of, can't seemingly break that productivity paradox. Where do you think the problem lies within business today? Is it, is it not enough investment? Is it culture? Is it not knowing how to communicate the benefits? Where's the problem? 
I, I think, yeah, look, the paradox of choice is the more choice you have, the harder it is to make the choice. And we're in a world now where the upside is there's limitless opportunity out there. You know, the internet and social media, anyone can start a business. The downside is there's infinite opportunity out there. And so there's distractions and, you know, just looking at everyone else. Now, I believe the secret to productivity is finding out what your purpose is in life, creating a meaningful mission bigger than yourself and spending your life with vital energy doing your life's work. Mm -hmm. And when you know what that is, you're not looking at everyone else going, oh, I wish I was a basketball player. Oh, I wish I was, you know, what you do is when you don't know who you are and what you want, you, you are jealous and envious of other people and who they are and what they want. And you pedestalize people up or you put them down in the pit. So the greatest thing you can do for you, are because I believe, like, I, don't, I can't say I know everything about life, but I believe one of the purposes of life is to find your purpose in life. And you do not, well, look, you do not distract yourself when you're on a meaningful mission because you are energized and vital, um, you know, and chasing a, a good long life. You only distract yourself when you, you know, when you don't know who you are or what you want. Is there also a purpose paradox, though, because there is so much purpose that is wrapped around, rightly or wrongly, if you look at again through social channels, with money and financial success being part of that successful integration of purpose into your life. But not everyone's purpose is going to be aligned with money. Your purpose could be to be the best community worker in your area. But because yeah. there's so much influence in terms of that financial success, I feel like it distorts our ability to search for what our true purpose is. Yeah, it can do. I mean, you know, many people become nurses because they want to help people yeah. and care for people. And, you know, the nurses don't make enough money. But that's yeah. a, a public sector issue, not a private sector issue. If anyone's bitching and moaning and complaining about not making enough money, go and be an entrepreneur and create it yourself. Because it's the public sector and the governments and the people that control you that put all the limits in what you can earn. You can earn limitless amount of money as an entrepreneur, a creator, an engineer, an inventor, um, whereas other people will impose limits upon you. Look, money is simply a tool that man has created to make our lives easier and better. It's no different to a spanner or a hammer or the wheel or anything else. It's simply a tool. Um, you know, in order for us to coexist uh, as a species, we need to be interdependent. And, you know, we need a, the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Um, and, yeah, if, if you find your niche in life, and you, you live a meaningful and purposeful life. I believe we are programmed to live long and prosper. There is biological and scientific research in the brain that you will live longer. You will be of vital health. You will live longer if you uh, have an inspired purpose. Because clearly you are helping evolution. You know, the statistics on people who retire and do nothing, it's terrible. People die within 18 months of retirement because they no longer have a purpose. Yeah. Two things I often read contradictory to one another, and it's something that I think probably too much about as an entrepreneur myself. And one is that too many entrepreneurs give up just before the point that they succeed. And the other is that you need to recognize when that idea has run its course and to pivot. Somewhere in the middle of those two is the sweet spot. What is your experience, not advice, but experience of where that sweet spot exists? 
Well, that sweet spot exists in different places for different people, unfortunately. You know, it would be nice to give a binary one size fits all. Um, but, you know, what can happen is markets can change. And so that sweet spot can change because people's needs change. You know, what they need changes. You know, as we live longer, there are new problems created in the world. You know, the old, the elderly, there's so many more um, people living longer now. And so there's services and um, products required for that. And, you know, there's, there's this generation of lost men and this lack of sexual identity. So people need guidance. There's this lack of people who've had father figures in their lives. So you know, these, um, in terms of your product or service and whether it's um, viable and how long to persist at it, it is a moving target. Yeah. I always say to people, if they're thinking about giving up, it is, were the reasons that you started this in the first place good or not good? So, for example, people get into, they say, to, I get these bad questions all the time. A question I get is, what's the quickest way to make money? That's the, that's the stupid question. Yeah. The question should be, what's the best type of business to be in to serve the most amount of people across the planet? That's a much better question. So if we're getting into businesses because we want to make the quickest amount of money, we just want to get out of debt, or we just want to get by, that we probably should give up. But as, if you're in a meaningful product or service and you went into it for the right reasons, then you should probably never give up. At this point in your entrepreneurial career, if you want to call it that, sort of two decades in, more than two decades in, does the entrepreneurial chase lessen for you the more you catch the commercial praise and the more success you have does that thrill of the chase lessen lessen and is it the milestones or the momentum that still excites you the the success achieved or the striving towards that success yeah so um some people it seems they just want to do one thing for the rest of their life and i wouldn't say i envy those people because i don't really live in envy but you know, I feel like I would be a very grateful person if that was me. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit different. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was 26 years old. And many people, you know, they don't know what they want to do with their life. And so they can go a quarter of their life lost. And if you do not know what you want to do with your life, someone who does know will employ you and pay you and make money out of you. This is how the world works. Um, because, you know, the very organized structures. Um, so for me, um, I have to keep challenging myself to make sure that my mission is inspired to make sure that I am getting the most out of life, giving and receiving equally. So I got into real estate, managed the properties myself, wasn't inspired by that. So I got a management company in and then we just bought and then I was like, property's a bit boring. So we built a property training business and grew that. And then I'm like, oh, just, just, just training property. I really love business. And we built a business training company. I want to write some books. I've written a lot of books. I'm bored of writing books now. And, you know, for example, I'm doing a, I'm raising a quarter of a million pounds. I'm doing a charity boxing match. We've sold 1700 tickets. This was a new challenge for me to keep my life interesting and fulfilling to inspire as many people as possible. And that anything can be achieved. So I'm the sort of person I need to keep reinventing myself could be, you know, a, a way of looking at it. Whereas other people, they just want to be a footballer and they just want to keep getting better at that. So I suppose it depends on what you value. Um, but the worst thing you can do, the opposite of success is chopping and changing and chopping and changing and chopping and changing and chopping and changing. 
given that this is the new PL principles in leadership, I wanted to understand what your definition of leadership is. What does it look like? What are the characteristics and the foundations that underpin it? I think leadership is um, being a, be a beacon of, of light and hope to people um, such that they are inspired and empowered to become leaders themselves. How do you determine that you are inspiring and offering that beacon of hope? You know, the, sometimes as your leader, the further you are from your employees, the more you may think you are in the same way as you believe you're delivering a dialogue. And in fact, it's a monologue. You know, how do you check yourself, check the reality of it, if you like? Well, look, the world will give you feedback on what it values. Um, so in the form of critics and fans, and, um, you know, people talk and the, the world needs you to be useful and valuable. And if you're not, it will give you the feedback that you're not. So as long as you're self-aware, i.e. you're aware of your strengths and weaknesses and you're not blind and myopic to your flaws, then you'll always get the feedback from the people, the, the commenters on social media you know, that your work is valuable in the form of testimonials and success stories and also critics, because um, it is naive, it is childish, it is selfish for you to expect that you can have everything you want and nothing you don't. Mm -hmm. You can have all upside and no downside, because if we got everything that we wanted, we would become hedonistic and greedy and powerful and selfish. So we need critics, trolls, haters, and challengers to keep us in balance. If you do not regulate yourself, i.e. you are your authentic self right in the middle between um, proud and humble. If you do not regulate yourself, the world will immediately regulate you. You know, have you ever felt like, I think we've all experienced this. You think, oh man, everything is just perfect right now. And then bang, <laughs> shit happens. As soon as you say yeah, that yeah, to yeah. yourself, yeah. to fuck shit up. Um, you know, when you're really down, you know, you can just get the help and support you need. When you're really high and arrogant and cocky, you will be humbleized. How do you reconcile though that, I mean, I know, you know, you have an enormous online social profile that comes with a lot of, lot of positivity and also comes with a lot of haters and i know you've talked about that before in some of your own podcasts how do you reconcile in your mind the hatred that comes through does it bother you do you use it positively do you ignore it what's the the pro because whatever veneer we have on the outside some of these things still get through and how do you deal with it mm. yeah so um i think if anyone says they're not bothered by the haters I don't believe them or they've spent 20 years learning how to not be bothered by it. So, you know, the purpose of haters is to keep you in balance. If you have no haters and critics, you will be too cocky, too arrogant, too hedonistic. Um, you know, you will put, look down upon everyone. You'll become lazy, flippant, complacent. So critics have a great function and purpose in that they keep you whole and human and humble. Um, so in that regard, they're useful. You know, you learn a lot more from people who give you fee feedback than from your fans who just go, yeah, bro, you know, and, and all of this. Um, but I think the key thing is, if you know who you are and you believe in yourself, 
No one can say anything about you that will concern you. Things only hurt you when you know them to be true about yourself. So if you know who you are, your strengths and weaknesses, your ups and downs, you know who you are anyway, you know yourself. None of the criticism will get through because you know everything about you that people are accusing you of anyway. Look, if you want to avoid all these painful emotions and situations, again, the the theory comes back to find a meaningful vision, a, a niche that you can be the most productive and useful and go about, you know, dedicating your life to that because people who troll and criticize and complain they're not busy enough they've not got enough to do and you will not find anyone hating on anyone who's living a meaningful life because they're too fucking busy living a meaningful (laughs) life like who's got time to do all of this well people who want to work from home and sponge off the government and get hack the benefit system and all of that what do you want out of life right now, Rob? What's the purpose that drives you at this point after building what you've built? What do you want out of life now? Well, at this point, I want to win my fight tomorrow because I've <laughs> trained really hard for this. Um, what I want out of life is to experience life in its fullest. Um, how life, Learn how life works. I believe the best way to raise your kids is to teach them how life is, not how you want life to be. So we live in these fantasies um, and depressions. You know, humans tend to separate the, the balance of the whole. So I want to experience life as it is. You know, my mentor, he says, um, reali- the reality of life is greater than any fantasy. You know, the beauty is here and within us and around us rather than us fantasizing about it, it being better. So I want to experience the most out of life. And I want to be the most useful and valuable person that i can be to as many people as possible and i want to experience everything life brings and if that means loads of money you know and and traveling to amazing places and owning beautiful things then i want it all why can't we have it all i know you're not keen on giving advice um but what's the the most powerful piece of advice you've received and ignored or regretted ignoring i I, I think the most powerful advice I've ever been given is that the world is not how it is. It's how you see it. Therefore, people are not how they are. They are how you are. And the reason that really opened my mind is it it, it taught me that our perspective creates our reality. So if we change our perspective, we change our reality instead of expecting reality to change for us. So I would say, sorry, Rob, you go. Yeah, that's all right. I just want to make sure I answer your question. So I would say that's the best piece of advice I've been given. I think the worst piece of advice, well, not necessarily the worst piece of advice, but what I continually ignore, I think the great naivety of humanity, myself included, is that we think we know best. We do not know best. Nature knows best. And, you know, what happens is humans intervene and try and change nature, but nature knows best. So, for example, training for this fight, I've been training really hard, and everyone keeps telling me, listen to your body. 
I don't really know what that means. So I don't listen to my body. I'm just like, I've got a strong iron mind. I must train. I must train. And people, my trainers and my wife are like, listen to your body. Your body knows. Um, and, and so, you know, along my training camp, I've had a few injuries and ailments, which my body was trying to warn me of, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> so I think our hubris and arrogance of humanity is that we know best. We do not know best. Rob, we always ask our guests to leave one or two final recommendations, thoughts for our listeners to go away and look to practically apply in their businesses tomorrow. What would they be from your perspective? Well, I, I finish every single one of my pieces of content with the saying, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. It's, it's my quote. Yeah. Um, and I, I try and live by that. I think it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't. If you don't ask, you won't get. And, it, you know, there's nothing more. Well, look, people, they talk to the dying and, the, and, and they draw out the regrets of the dying. And the regrets of the dying are always things that people never tried. Yeah. Um, not things that people did try. So I would get out of your comfort zone, do more of what scares you, and, and know that you're a valuable person that people need um, and continue to take risks. And what scares you right now? My fight tomorrow with someone <laughs> 20 kilos heavier than me. That's pretty scary. <laughs> Um, and after your fight, more generally, yeah. what what scares you? What are you trying to overcome in I your mean, business look, world? You know, I'm scared of being alone. I'm scared of being useless. Um, so I spend my life making sure that those things don't happen. Yeah. By dedicating my life to being useful and valuable and knowledgeable. Rob, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the new PL. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to Rob and would like to learn more about what he does and his training programs, please go to robmore.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast or any of the other episodes in the new PNL, please do take a moment to rate us or review us. It all helps with our ratings and our rankings. So finally, I'm Paul, host of the new PNL. Thank you once again for listening and have a great day.